Do you just cry when you sit with the papers Thinking about what it's like and take away from us We're on a course for a head-on collision Scientists said this is what we've been missing Sorry that research is not for submission Friend Roger's dead and we'll be the one to listen Can't take the heat, now the planet is your kitchen She's like you're stuck in a contest of pissing Time to trade in Congress for a new edition Good morning. It is Thursday, April 16th. Thanks for tuning in again to another episode of St. Pete's Pearls. Um, I woke up this morning to a text from like my best friend growing up, Paul. He said he had tuned into the podcast and uh, that you know he liked the John C. Maxwell readings, I guess. He brought up that he, for work, he's been sent to a couple of the John C. Maxwell leadership trainings and I've met a lot of people who've done that, and they've always kind of found a benefit from there. I've never heard anybody really speak uh, anything really bad, otherwise, unless they were forced to do the training, and then that's just your attitude, right? But anybody who's kind of appreciated those leadership trainings and uh, come out with a lot from those. Uh, I never took the John C. Maxwell one. I found the for a buck, right? Which kind of reminded, just reminded me of that Goodwill hunting, you know, scene where he's, you know, having an argument in the college bar and, you know, Will goes off on him and is like, you know, you spent 200000 on your education or whatever it was. And I, I did all this for 450 in late fees. And, uh, I mean, I guess business paid for his course, but they're not cheap courses, those leadership ones. The John C. Maxwell, I was at a Toastmasters conference, because I did Toastmasters, right? That's where I kind of got my start, right? I guess, in, or introduction to those kind of like leadership ideas and messages. And I've, that's why I kind of find that John C. Maxwell book uh, beneficial, right? Anyways, at the conference, I found out like those courses can cost up to like two grand. 1500 or they're expensive where Toastmasters itself was like a hundred bucks a year or whatever it is uh, in dues. But it's just kind of the time commitment. You either get an immersive course or you get to continually do Toastmasters throughout the year, right? And you get what you put into it, right? If you read the magazines, if you do the projects, you get a lot more, right? If you find benefit in the John C. Maxwell leadership courses, which I'm sure Paul does and probably puts himself into it and gets a lot out of it. You know, he was like that growing up, right, with his pursuit towards basketball. You know, he showed me what you could do with a $20 Pistol Pete Maravich video and, and a lot of dedication. You know, he'd just be out in his driveway doing the drills that he saw in the video time in, time out. He'd walk to school with a basketball 
dribbling the whole way. He never let it not touch his hand, right? And it propelled him to be a lot better at basketball I, than, you know, I could or I, that I ever was, right? Or that a lot of people would because he put the time and effort. And, and at a time, it seemed like a sacrifice, but I realize now that it was never a sacrifice to him. It was what he wanted to do, so it was fun for him. And it was just kind of that little mental switch. His little perspective on it gave him all the drive necessary to propel him to be a great basketball player. And I see people do that with however they approach, whether they're $200,000 education or, you know, 10 bucks they spend on books, right? It's, it's how you approach it, right? And I, I think we have some examples for that with our reading. I'm going to go to a different reading today. This reading's coming from a book called The Observer's Chair. This is by a guy, Dave Blanchard. I actually saw him give a motivational speech to a group at the rehabilitation center down there at Salt Lake City, where I've attended a couple of Toastmasters groups to see how they kind of structure those Toastmasters meetings. Uh, he was one of the presenters there one day that they brought in. Uh, I loved his message. You know, he gave me a copy of his book, and I'm going to read a passage from that. It's about obligation and kind of hints on that, the way that we can change our perspective, reframe things for ourselves. So I hope you enjoy this. All right, Dave Blanchard, and this is an excerpt, Obligation. When fatigue settles in, we can shift into obligation. When fatigue settles in, we can shift to obligation-based motivation instead of doing things because we want to, get to, and choose to. We do things because we have to, need to, should, and must. In the extreme, we can do things out of fear of consequence. What will happen if I don't do it? When our underlying driver is obligation, we start the day by strapping on a metaphorical backpack full of heavy bricks. Anyone know the names of their bricks of obligation? Backpack strapped on, we run just as fast, but are heavily burdened. Inescapably, we get tired. When we reach the point to where we are so exhausted that we can't take it any longer, we rebel. Rebellion shows up differently for everyone. Some get irritated or angry. Others become reclusive. Others simply avoid the issue by escaping into a more pleasant activity. While in rebellion, we may consider the possibilities of quitting. However, when most people think about quitting they quickly shift into guilt. They are ashamed for even entertaining the thought. So many people are depending on me. I can't quit. I have to keep going. So we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and recommit, but to what? We go back and do what we have to, need to, should, and must. Our obligations, until we get tired and the cycle begins all over again. Self-worth is damaged when we begin to believe that we must sacrifice our time, energy, and even our well-being to serve everyone else. We have no other options. We have to, need to, should, and must. Sometimes it's the sheer volume of our commitments that's so exhausting. We may have a challenge saying no. After all, our ability and thus our worth is on the line. However, a great deal of time, exhaustion, comes simply by how we hold our commitments. Have to, 
versus want to. Obligation can become even more damaging to self-worth when our unhealthy habits attempt to convince us that no matter what we do, it will never be good enough. If this rings a bell, where did this unhealthy habit come from? At some time in our life, was this unhealthy habit the voice of another person? It's difficult to feel whole and complete, capable and valuable, when our thoughts are unrelenting and unyielding in their pursuit of the unachievable, perfection-driven. Healing can come with a more structured calendar that includes downtime, me time. It can also come from a fundamental shift in motivation from obligation to self-direction, acting on our own moral authority, doing the next right thing for the right reason because we want to, get to, choose to. It can also come in a shift from perfection to excellence. As Marc LeBlanc said, better done than perfect. And I think that was kind of where Paul nailed it so many years ago. This idea rings true in that. He shifted his his perspective from obligation based to self-direction. He didn't have to practice. He wanted to practice to get better. Not to be perfect, to be better. And in that pursuit, that, you know, that pursuit of excellence, it's all you can do. Do what you can with what you have, where you are. Here you go. Now, I guess staying in the same vein is shifting our perspective. Uh, for our community thing, I want to give you a little tips and tricks. You guys like the cognitive biases, biases that we do with the communication. Here's a little something from my mediation uh, my master's certificate in mediation um, about reframing. I was able to do this actually more with just conversations. I did this yesterday. I reframed my clothes pile situation. I was doing laundry and I throw all the laundry on the bed and I have this big monster pile of laundry hanging on my bed. The octopus, you know, the arms of t-shirts falling off the side. It looked daunting. I was like, ah, because I'm lazy. I didn't want to touch it. <laughs> Like, I'll do it later. Maybe I'll sleep on top of it tonight. I don't know. You know, often in life, like, I, I have to channel my the inner Paul, right? I have to change my perspective and I find that will to practice if I want to learn a new thing like guitar or something. So I have to channel my inner something here. And who better to channel than my inner mother for, for the laundry pile? She's a laundry freak and very neat and organized. So I kind of reframe my... Uh, my clothes pile. I, I did what Donna would do. I sorted out. I put shirts on one side, flat, put jeans on another side, and shorts with them. Just laid them flat. It was no longer this big monster falling apart on my bed. It was two nice stacked neat piles that looked a lot more manageable. And that clothes pile took a lot less time than I ever thought it would. So, but I reframed that clothes pile, right? It took something that caused me anxiety just to look at, and I shifted it around. I looked at it a little different way. You know, I, I guess I, I wanted to see it flattened. I wanted to not look like a big monster. So then it was a lot more manageable to accomplish the whole task, which was get the clothes put away and off the bed. But thinking back to my, my time in a mediation class, right, we often do scenario-based things. Here's a scenario that might come up in maybe your life or somebody's life you know. 
a lot of people have split families, right? Kids have to go from one place to another around the holiday time. There's a little tip and trick you can do, right? So if that if you're newly separated, you often go through a counselor or a mediator of some sort. Most experts and judges will push for you to go to a mediator, counselor, or expert for reasons like this. Because if you go to your friend for some counseling, um, they often frame what you should do in an, a negative or harmful way, right? So in an instance of splitting up a kid over a holiday, your friend might say something like, how are you going to divide the kids up over the weekend? How are you guys splitting up the kids, right? And that instantly puts a this or that, either or what's your side going to be? And if it's your friend that's biased towards, what it, how are you benefiting from this over the holiday? How is it working out in your favor? And the reason why judges and experts will tell you to go to a mediator or a um, counselor of some sort, an expert, is that they know how to skillfully reframe kind of that proposition. Right? They would say something to the effect of what arrangements would make the holidays happy for your children and manageable for the both of you. There's so many actionable items just built into that way you reframe that same scenario. Right? First of all, the goals built right in, the happy children at the holidays. And if that's not your goal, I'm not your mediator. I'm not your counselor. Somebody on Trump's staff would probably jump on that one. Not me. But the happy children is what matters. So that's the goal. And that's already built into that proposition. And what arrangements would you make? What, what can happen? It's not this or that. There could be an array of things. What arrangements are being considered? And what's manageable for the both of you, not just your side? How are you making out on this holiday? Consider the other. What's manageable? Because when it's manageable for the both of you, the children are going to be more happy, right? Which was the end goal. So a quick lesson in reframing and just start to, how, how can you look at things more positive? Something that helps me do that more fluidly in life, right? I guess it's my time doing improv and under mentorship of Matt Say, which I met over at the Ogden Comedy Loft. It's above the Ziegfeld Theater. We don't meet there now because of the corona lockdown, but hopefully when this is over, we will be meeting our, doing our, regular schedule workshops, but for now, all of that has also been pushed online. If you want to check out some free online formatted improv shows, we are now doing those as well. So check out the Ogden Comedy Collective on Facebook and .org or .com or I don't know what the website is off the top of my head. Uh, Ogden Comedy Collective, look them up. Or Comedy Loft, I think that'll all point you in the right direction. I know it's on Facebook. Again, that's like the only social media I do. Uh, but check them out. Right? It's a good time. And, then it, and it's helpful because I like going to the workshops. And you've seen this example, right? They've been on the office. They do the improv workshop because they're good team building skills. They truly are, right? And they help with this reframing thing. You've all probably heard the concept of yes and. Right? That's big in mediation, but also in improv, right? Because it automatically gets you thinking about things in a positive term, in that positive reinforcement uh, cycle. Check out an improv group online if you want to check us out, Ogden Comedy Collective or Comedy Loft. Do any kind of Google, YouTube search. You'll find 
videos, classes online. Everybody's Zooming it now, so whatever suits your fancy. Uh, so thinking about comedy, and what's not funny is that I still hear gas-powered lawnmowers. It was not today because it's kind of almost snowing down here in Ogden, but I've been still hearing them around the neighborhoods. Swapped those out for the battery-powered lawn equipment. They're a lot easier to maintain, too. I can actually work on my battery-powered lawn equipment. It's a couple cords and a little electric motor. If a cord comes attached, I tape it back together. I can't work on my gas-powered equipment. I don't know how to gap a spark plug or whatever that takes. My neighbor actually had to borrow my gas-powered or my battery-powered lawnmower because his spark plug went out in his. I want to know how to fix that, and then you got to bring it into a place, and it's heavy to lift into your car if you can. I can pick up my electric battery-powered lawnmower with one hand, and it still does both my yard and the neighbor's yard. So consider swapping yours out this year. Also... Consider supporting your local businesses, the independent shops. I'm thinking like uh, Jesse Jean's down on 25th. Restaurants, uh, businesses, the art box, these places that depended on the foot traffic, people coming in and and dining or shopping. uh, They're struggling now. We're a few weeks into this. We're seeing the pennies are being pinched, right? Some of us don't have jobs and we're relying on our stimulus check or whatever that is, rebate check, tax check. I don't even know what they're calling it. Uh, Whatever that is. I saw a good idea from a friend, Carol. She put on there, she's donating hers to organizations like Jesse Jeans. And I urge you, if you support a nonprofit like Nurture the Creative Mind or, you know, Nature Center, whatever organization that you normally would support, try to find a, a way. And this is a good opportunity, right? Especially if you already have your job and things haven't changed for you all so much to take that check and put it towards an organization that you do say you support, right? How can you support them a little more in in these tough times? And don't put yourself out, right? I'm not shaming anybody to do something that's uncomfortable. Remember, do what you can with what you have where you are, as Teddy Roosevelt said. If it's in your wheelhouse, if you can afford to make that um, contribution, do so. Do exactly that, as my friend Carol says she's doing. And that's a great idea, and that's a way to, to create kind of community resilience. That speaks volume, and act like that. And if you can't do that, reach out to this organization and tell them that you appreciate what they do. So I try to do this daily. I appreciate what these organizations do for the Ogden community. They keep it Ogden, and that's what we've always said. That's what the mayoral election was about, keeping Ogden the flavor of Ogden. And these independent businesses are the ones that do that. Find your way to the sport. That is part of sustainability. That creates community resilience. If you want to create more resilience in your neighborhood, you know, consider your backyard garden. If you have a lot of land and it's just grass, consider throwing a fruit vegetable garden on there. Feed your neighbors. You, know, you don't have to go to the grocery store if you're pulling it out of your backyard. Find a way to get that food into your local corner store, as we talked a couple episodes ago. Find a way to make that resilient community. Uh, things are shifting right now. Take a, as things are moving, and we don't know what it's going to look like on the other side, take an active hand in shaping what that might look like. All right? So until tomorrow, it was fun. Thank you.